One guy, his entire personality appeared to be zippers. Hello and welcome to the EuroWhat, episode 178 for the week of January 16th, 2023. We are a pair of Americans trying to make sense of the Eurovision Song Contest. I'm Mike McComb, and I'm joined today by Ryan Frizzell. Hey, Ryan. Hello. How are you, Mike? Doing great. In this episode, we'll be talking about Belgium's song selection and the beginning of weekly Eurovision TV recaps. Welcome back to the show, Ryan. Thank you so much. I am thrilled to be here for another year of Eurovision. Well, not the whole year, but I am thrilled to be here for Eurovision 2023 commentary. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. And like, but this weekend, I originally thought it was going to be a pretty late weekend. It's like, well, Belgium will choose. There'll be Norway. There might be one other thing. And yeah, I, I think a whole year of Eurovision has packed into just this weekend. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for joining us on this journey. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm really excited to talk about some of the progress that countries have made in selecting this is already shaping up to be an exciting contest i agree how was your your vision 2022 experience it was really good i have been seeing somebody for a couple years and we actually got together right before the contest in 2021 so that was a very overwhelming experience for them they're actually a former professional musician So they had this year kind of knew what Eurovision was and knew what they were getting into by watching it. Um, And so that was really exciting to have another musician and and to have somebody else that sort of experienced the the same roller coaster of emotions that Eurovision always brings up, right? Like I always cry or during the first or second entry because there's all these people and this is their 15 minutes of fame. Eurovision isn't such a well-known thing in the States. So that just was just really cool to have somebody else to really dig into it with. That was awesome. Oh, that's fantastic. Do you have any hopes and dreams for Eurovision 2023 at this point? I mean, it's still early in the season. It, it is very early, but I do. My two hopes. Number one is I really hope that Sam Ryder's song last year and the UK hosting this year helps the UK keep their momentum and keep sending good entries. I'm kind of tired of seeing not great entries from a country that can do so much better. Mm-hmm. Um, also for Germany, but we won't go there today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My second hope is that I really hope NBC decides to air this again live and brings Johnny Weir back. He was the perfect host for Eurovision for me. He just, I feel like Johnny gets the campy love piece of it as well as the sort of schlocky, wild piece of it, right? So I loved watching him. And it was great to not have to watch the awkward host interactions during the breaks to have somebody who could actually like recap and that kind of stuff. So that's it. UK keep doing well. Johnny Weir come back as a host again. If if those two things can happen, this will be a fantastic year. We're halfway to your second goal because Peacock has been advertising that they're going to be showing Eurovision 2023. As long as Peacock still exists by by the time May rolls around. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, which is anybody's guess. Exactly. I should probably mention why Ben is not here. It is Mystery Hunt weekend, so he is otherwise occupied and uh, did not seem fair to record if his brain is going to be soup at the end of the day. I don't know how extensive Mystery Hunt is this year, but if you want to hear about previous Mystery Hunts, we did do an episode about that on our Patreon. We have that linked in the show notes, patreon.com slash eurowhat, and you can get that and a whole bunch of other bonus episodes and bonus 
this content. Now then, on to the main event. We had a selection over the weekend coming from Belgium. Did you get a chance to watch any of the Belgium coverage? It was really tough this year since so much of it was geo-blocked. Yeah, I didn't get to watch any of it live. I watched the recap of songs on YouTube. So I have had a chance to look at them all. It's been really interesting to see the way that countries are doing their selections this year, right? With like Ukraine doing theirs in a bomb shelter, essentially. It's just interesting to see how some of those have changed over the years. Was there anything that really stood out to you from the way that they ran their selection process? Were you watching it live? Yes. I was watching the song club portion during the week, which was like this half hour show where... It was kind of like a behind-the-scenes look at how a song camp might work. They had all seven acts come together at this cabin in the woods or something. Not in a horror movie sense, but much more in like a (laughs) weekend retreat. Uh, They they had s'mores. It was fine. Each episode had one or two of the contestants presenting their songs. They each had two entries. After presenting both of their songs, the rest of the guests that were there would vote on which one they think that act should perform at the final, which happened this past Saturday. It was kind of a clunky show. Like, they really didn't figure out the best way to present the the behind-the-scenes part of it. It wasn't so much the craft of songwriting. It was not really interesting. But, uh, yeah, the final, I was really impressed with the staging. Like, they, they really turned it out for the final, I thought. Was the song club, were those the videos where it was just like the seven or eight of them or whatever with the little tiny stage? Were those the song club videos? Yes. Got it. I noticed in that context, there were a couple songs that I felt would have had a much better time had that not been their presentation. So that I'm glad to hear that, like, I saw the video of the winner and was like, oh, this is completely different staging. I did not, as I said, I didn't watch those live. I feel like there were a couple songs that maybe could have done better in this process with a little bit better and more staging. So yes, yeah, I I, I agree. And I think I I think it's a process that they could, with a little bit of a tune-up next year, continue working with. I guess we should actually like get into the results of the final. So the winning song came from Gustav and it is called Because of You. Because life is too short and we sure got to celebrate. And when the world got me going crazy, I carry on because I know It did not win the jury or the televote. It came third with the jury, it was second in the televote, and it ended up winning by just one point. That was a bit of a nail-biter. I'm trying to figure out what his clothing choices in this performance. I feel like his jacket and his sleeves are writing a check that the song cannot cash. Okay. <laughs> I, <laughs> I love the song. I like if I listen to it with my eyes closed, I'm like, this is a great song. It's a really great dance number. The stage presentation is gay as F. I don't feel that the clothing and the performance choices, it's a dance tune. And he's also just kind of standing center stage. Gustav and Because of You, I think I will really end up warming up to this song. I also am a little annoyed. I've really enjoyed seeing Belgium send some younger artists over the past several years. And this is a a departure from that, right? Gustav is not old. He's 42. But we're talking about having like teenagers or early 20-somethings. And I've really enjoyed seeing that. So just a little sad Belgium didn't do that again this year. I'm really curious to see how this one evolves over Eurovision season. I agree that the staging and the costume elements were 
B, B minus. There's a lot of improvement that can happen there. And like, I'm already thinking of ways like, oh, if they do this, this could really elevate the entry. And I'm saving that for like when we get into review season and have a little bit more information about what their plan is. Like if they present what they presented at the final at Eurovision, I don't think it's going to do well, but hopefully they have a budget to make some improvements. I agree that it was gay AF, but it feels very similar to a lot of the like kind of toothless gay pride anthems that often show up at Eurovision. There's something about this one that just has a little bit of, I don't know, like there, there's like a little crumb there that I think can be sort of teased out. Given Gustav's background, because he was a backing singer for Hoover Phonic and a backing singer for Senec. So I have to imagine the delegation is very pleased with this selection because it's like, oh, it's somebody that we've worked with. They know like what the deal is with going to Eurovision. He's bringing a lot of experience to the table that could make things a little bit easier down the road. Absolutely. There were a couple entries I think I liked better. I liked Ooh La La a little better to begin with. Really the song that I kind of wish had gone through, and I think that really was not helped by the song club version of things was the carnival by amira it just sounded like billy eilish plus britney spears to me i could picture that song being staged like the olivia newton john video for physical right and just Mm. like i just feel like that would tear the house down and so i feel like they missed a little bit of an opportunity there i agree with you i'm excited to see what gustav's entry the full performance it's got a solid song to start with they just got to work a little bit on the visual pieces of it so i'm also excited to see how that grows moving forward yeah it sounds like the other song that the starlings saying was not the favorite of everybody either it's there was sounds like there was a little bit of controversy around that the starlings came in second so just one point behind gustav with their song roller coaster what was your initial impression when you heard roller coaster belgium is a hard country for me because i often start out not really loving their songs mm-hmm. and usually by the end i sort of move and end up loving it. This was definitely true with Hoover Phonic the other year. My partner actually hates that song. Sometimes I play that just to annoy them. They really ah. hate that song. Um, <laughs> but I ended up kind of enjoying it. <sighs> Roller Coaster, I enjoyed, but I don't know that I like that as a Eurovision song. I mm. thought it was a good song, and I didn't really think about the Ed Sheeran-ness of it at first. I don't really listen to that much Ed Sheeran. And honestly, I don't love it when people say, well, this sounds like other people as if it's a bad thing because everybody sounds like somebody else. Every note I made about a song was like, it reminds me of this person. So that piece of things I don't love, I did enjoy Roller Coaster. I don't think it was the best song. I love the Starlings' voices. I love the folk elements they incorporate. I wish they would harmonize more often rather than just singing octaves. And they included a key change. It's first key change of the Eurovision season for me. So gotta love that. But yeah, I I guess I just don't see, I I know people had some kind of feelings about that. I just sort of feel a little bit apathetic towards them um, because I just don't think it it is a great Eurovision song. Overall, Belgium, I think did a great job with their final this year. I, I was a little skeptical after the last song club, but yeah, the songs came together. It was a great stage presentation. There was drama. It was, yeah, I think it had everything we could ask for. The other selection news that came out this week, France announced their artist, Lazara. Brian, you mentioned that you did kind of a deep dive on her. Is that right? I went looking. I listened to her single, the delegation that she's going to be working with. It's the same production team as her debut single, Tuteni Ra, mm-hmm. um, which I love. The music video on YouTube is obviously really well funded. It has a great sense of humor. 
which like bodes really well for any kind of onstage performance that she's going to do. Lazara, she has a great voice. That particular song has a really great 80s throwback instrumentation. It's catchy. I'm just really excited for her to be there. I think it's kind of hilarious that French is sending a Quebecoise to Eurovision. She had said in the press, I am a great admirer of the most beautiful French voices such as Edith Piaf, Barbara Dalida, but also Celine Dion, mm-hmm. another Quebecoise who famously sang for Switzerland, right? So I just thought it was really funny, and I don't know her well enough to know whether that was a little bit of snark, a little bit of sass about these beautiful French voices. Celine Dion's not French, she's Canadian, but she also has a beautiful French voice, and so do I. That's kind of what I was reading into that, maybe reading too much, but... So far, everything that I've seen about Lazara, I love, and I hope that she brings all of that to the Eurovision stage. And I think the delegation may be in on that joke as well, because uh, part of their press release mentions, she combines the class and style of Audrey Hepburn and Marilyn Monroe with a sense of tragedy of Edith Piaf, the postmodern intoxication of Lady Gaga, the naked frankness of Barbara, and the fragility of Delita. Ben sent a message after reading that, uh, that we would like to send our usual torch song, but also we saw Chanel last year and would like some of that too, please. Uh, so I think everybody's right here. Yep. And I, and I agree with that. Anybody who can take anything from Chanel her that was just an incredible performance last year so good for them for you know begging borrowing and stealing from the best of the best that's all that's happened with selection so on the process side of things ireland announced who is going to be in the running for their national final one of the acts is public image limited uh, which includes john lydon aka johnny rotten I'm not really familiar with the Sex Pistols. Do you, do you have any background with them or Johnny Rotten? I really don't. I mean, I know of the Sex Pistols. I know of Johnny Rotten, but I've never really followed him or listened to the Sex Pistols much. But I'm always interested to see when sort of big names like that come to Eurovision, because like, what do they have to gain from Eurovision? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like, I think my last association with Johnny Rotten was when he was a litigant on Judge Judy. And this was like back <laughs> in like the first or second season of the show. So this just like 25 years ago. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Kind of a jerk, but he won his case. So there's that. There you uh, go. There's that. <laughs> He's already stirred up a little bit of controversy in an interview shortly after it was announced that he was going to be taking part in the Irish selection. He was quoted as saying about Eurovision, it's absolutely awful, the songs. The whole thing of it is disgusting to me. I'm a songwriter, I perform live, and these shows just come across as so dreadfully phony to me. But look, we're giving it a chance to break out of that mold. Um, So yeah, I'm not sure he knows what he signed up for. Uh <laughs> Yeah. And if that's how you feel about something, why would you participate? Like, I just, I don't understand that attitude. These songs come across as dreadfully phony. Like, these are people, regular people, right? Mm -hmm. Who, like, this is maybe their one chance to get in front of an international audience. And I just try to remember that I couldn't even get up on that stage without probably, like, having a mental breakdown. Like, I get such severe stage fright that anybody who can get out there and just even just stand there is impressive to me. So I felt the same way about the winner from Portugal a few years ago, basically saying a similar thing and just sort of dissing everybody in the contest. And like, okay, that's fine that you feel that way, but why participate? I hope they don't go through. Sorry. I also, I didn't love 
their song as much anyway. So okay. I think there are a lot of a lot better songs than that. So I hope that anybody other than uh, Public Image Limited goes through for Ireland. When the final happens on Friday, February 3rd, that's going to be part of the broadcast of The Late Late Show. So similar to how Ireland did their selection last year, although I am looking forward to how Johnny is going to interact with whatever jury is in store. So... <laughs> Yeah. I, I will be very excited. There's there's one particular song that um, reminds me a lot of Onuka, who is the electro-folk mm. Ukrainian band who performed during the grand final in 2017. They've got sort of electric horns in the background. So I, there there are a couple of those performances I'm looking forward to, just just not Public Image Limited. Istilal, Estonia's selection, held their semifinals. And this year is the 30th anniversary of Estonia's debut at Eurovision. So the shows were really focusing on past performances, uh, asking each contestant what their favorite Estonian entry was. So over the two days, they happened on Thursday and Saturday. 20 songs competed. 10 have advanced so far. Five from Thursday, five from Saturday. The winner of wildcard voting will be announced on Monday. So you'll know what those two acts are uh, by the time this episode drops. I really think it's cool that most of the entries were 50-50 jury and public vote, but they had one song that was fully public vote, and that's actually my favorite. It's called So Good at What You Do. The sound is really dark and rich and full. It's I haven't heard any others of all the songs I've been reviewing so far this season. I haven't heard any others quite like it, so it has a good opportunity to sort of stand out. That one was really good. There was a really funny kind of 60 Beatles throwback that I can't tell whether I would love it or hate it. One of the songs made me cry the first time I listened to it. She, The um, singer has a beautiful voice and carries this emotion that would work really well on a big stage. So I, I have liked a lot of what Estonia has put out. There's been a couple of misses in the past 10 years, I'd say, but I, I'm, I've, I'm always really excited to see what Estonia brings. I am too. This year... <sighs> I don't know. It does feel like Estonia may be in a little bit of a rut, but I feel like what was what the 10 songs that have gotten through so far, it's kind of getting out of it. Like it, it's been very kind of countryfied the last few years. Mm. Yeah, there's a little bit more variety in what is being presented. Bedwetters, I think, is going to be interesting in the final. I think they are adopting the art house mantle because they are all <laughs> dressed as monsters with very elaborate makeup. So <laughs> oh. I can't wait. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, it's a lot of look. <laughs> the final for that will be happening on February 11th, the dreaded February 11th, where everybody is having their uh, <laughs> their national yeah. final. So, um, yeah, but this one will probably be the one starting off the day. So you'll at least be able to see the entries, may not be able to see the results before everything else comes crashing down. So <laughs> nice. fun. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> On Friday, Malta began their messy, long process. Oh, Malta. Oh, yeah. So 13 songs competed on Friday. And it's not really competed. It was more presenting what these quarterfinalists are. It's going to be two more weeks of quarterfinals. So I think it's 13 this coming Friday and then the remaining 14 the following Friday. And then everything will be open to a vote, and the results show is what is in store for week four. Kind of a weird way of doing it, I think. I, I was expecting it to be four weeks of 10 songs each with results and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a slog. Uh, <laughs> I don't think there's any other way of going about it. So. You, are, you are not kidding, Mike. I, you know, I, I really like 
getting involved with Eurovision early because I like getting to know the people who are singing, but also what songs could have made it. Because there's almost always one or two songs that I like better than the eventual winner Mm -hmm. in every country's process, right? And I I don't know that that's going to be true with Malta this year. I had a really hard time watching a lot of the performances. They just were not up to the level I expect of a Eurovision performance. One guy, his entire personality appeared to be zippers. Um, There was a goal... There was a a guy wearing a gold jacket that had like these strong youth pastor vibes. And then a guy who looked like he was my high school bully. I'm not really finding what I need from Malta right now. And God bless them. They are such a small country. Like I don't envy them, but they, they, they have done better. They can do better. You can do it better, Malta. Yeah. Yeah. And oh man, the youth pastor energy. That, that was what I was trying to get my finger on with the gold jacket guy. But that is exactly what was happening there. I sat through Friday's episode and I I am not doing that again. <laughs> good <laughs> like, for you. That's this, a good choice. Life is short, you know. Yeah, this just has echoes of the Lithuania Marathon. 40 songs, that's too many songs. Like, make some cuts before you get to TV. And I understand, like, really this also kind of felt like Una Voce per San Marino, but without any sort of sense of pace. There were two songs and then an ad break. Two songs, ad break. And then little banner ads at the bottom of the screen. Pretty much if there was n- any non-song content, there was ads, ads, ads. And it's just like, oh my god, Malta, why? We get it, Malta, you're broke. Like, we understand. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, and like, there was so much licensed music within the presentation. It's like, you know where you could save money? Uh- <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, They did have one ad where it's Bruce Willis, and apparently he is the face for some Hungarian energy drink. I thought it was a Maltese energy drink. A listener did correct me that it is a Hungarian energy drink called Hell. (laughs) Yeah, I I may have to go look that ad up because that's that's fascinating. Yeah. Congrats, Bruce Willis. I I don't know where to go from there. (laughs) Even Melfest cuts it down to what 28 or something before they mm-hmm. actually start the six week long process yeah yeah that is one that runs on a timer at least like nope this is a 90 minute show there was no reason for this one to go two and a half hours oh my gosh absolutely not on to saturday we haven't even gotten to the we- actual weekend part yet <laughs> uh, <laughs> so there was belgium selection which we've already talked about and then norway's first semifinal. norway has changed up their process this year yay it is now three semifinals, no auto qualifiers seven songs competed three advanced the three that advanced from this first semifinal were elrique with her song honestly umami tsunami with their song geronimo and alessandra with her song queen of of kings. I admit I was kind of bouncing back and forth between Norway and Belgium. They were on at the same time. Yeah, did you did you get a chance to watch any of Norway? I did. I will not comment yet on Geronimo by Umami Tsunami. I'll save that for a moment. Uh, I love everything about Alessandra Mele. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that is the first song of this season to give me chills. I love her voice. She sort of goes real high near the end. She doesn't really need that. Her voice is amazing, but it was a really strong moment, even though she didn't need that as part of the song. Mm -hmm. Her vocals were strong, even though she was like doing choreography and really clearly breathing hard at the end. There's great colors, great camera work. I love her outfit. Like just about everything about that entry, I really enjoy. I think I liked it just a little better than Honestly by Ulrike. Uh, I really loved her Broadway type voice. The song built really well. It was really giving me some like Lucy Jones vibes from 2017, that Mm -hmm. same kind of Broadway straight tone voice. She combined some orchestral instrumentation with some more modern components. So it sort of um, is a, a nice sort of newer 
sound. I think both of those are great. If those are sort of the first two to, well, that one in Umami Tsunami, if those are the first three to advance, I think Norway is going to have a pretty strong entry this year because there's already some really strong opportunities. I agree with that. And I think it really points to what the problem was with the process they had been using the last few years, where it's just like, okay, you've got these auto qualifiers. The auto qualifiers are really good. If it was just a final of those four or five songs, like, Norway would be set. Exactly. Taking that part out of this process, like it is really kind of a cream of the crop type situation. I wasn't in love with Queen of Kings, at least not on the first listen. I thought the performance felt a little too Melfest-y, a little bit like, mm, is this Sweden light or what, 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 what are we doing here? That's fair. That's something that I think is easily fixable. Aldrike, I loved Attention back in 2020. Uh-huh. She was one of the people that I was most disappointed not getting to have the chance to go to Eurovision. I think the song is a fine follow-up to it. I don't know if it necessarily reaches the level of Attention, although the lighting cue at the very end of the song where she's like in profile and there's just the spotlight, like that is a very good visual. Yes, it is. I think it could be executed a little bit tighter. Like, it, it felt like it was really a flash uh, when it happened on Saturday. I like what they're planning. I go with that. Go with that. <laughs> so, Absolutely. What did you think of Umami Tsunami? Okay. Uh, <laughs> first mm-hmm. of all, they are very difficult to Google. Like, every time that I did a search on them, yes. I was just getting a whole bunch of Mongolian barbecue menus and various other, like, Asian restaurants. And it's like, okay, well, uh, that's that's fine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it just made me hungry. Yeah. But <laughs> this is one of those entries that I just, I don't know what to do with it. And, like, it's K-pop in style, even though there is no apparent K on stage anywhere. Mm-hmm. That makes me a little uncomfortable. And I'm also like, I just not versed in K-pop at all. Like every summer I kind of joke, it's like, this is going to be the summer that I learn about K-pop and then I never actually get around to it. So like there's just kind of conventions of the genre that I'm just not familiar with. And it's like, okay, is this, despite the lack of like Korean representation on stage, is this a good example of K-pop? I, I do not know. Everything about this entry and this group screams like boy band made for a movie. Like it reminded me of Four Town, which was the fictional boy band in Turning Red. There's six people on stage. Three of them are dancers. Three of them are the actual singers. Only one of those three singers can dance. So if you're going to go for something K-pop, like everybody on stage needs to be able to move at least a little bit. Mm -hmm. Two of them simply cannot and do not. I just found it to be a really, really awkward performance. To me, it was pretty clear what they were aiming for, but it was also pretty clear that they fell way short of it. Whether they get sort of the youth vote or whatever, maybe, I don't know, but it just, it was an okay idea. It has really fallen down on execution. I would agree with that. And and I also have to wonder how much of that can be attributed to nerves. Sure. Absolutely. Since they are so difficult to Google, like I I just do not have much background information on them yet. And I think it's kind of a gift that they were in the first semifinal. I that's gonna give them enough time to like work out a lot of these kinks and Hopefully the performance at the final will be a little bit stronger. Even though I don't think I'm ultimately going to like the song, I would like them to do well. I would like them to present the best version of what it is they are trying to present. And yeah, I agree. Absolutely. I agree that on Saturday, it could have been better, but they've got time to make those fixes. 
Yeah, and I, I have no idea sort of what team they have behind them. I know much more about, you know, Russia's Eurovision teams and other countries. I don't know that much about Norway. So if they have a good team behind them and if they can, I think you're absolutely right. A lot of it could have been nerves. I still don't think, especially just looking at the other two that qualified from that semifinal. Like it's a sort of a distant third for me. The second heat will be next Saturday. And yeah, I think that gets us called caught up from the last week. Coming up this week, we've got Finland. Well, Finland has already announced what their slate of seven artists are going to be. And they're doing that thing where they are dropping one song per day. Uh, they've already dropped two last week and two more should be available by the time this episode drops. Uh, there's going to be three more to go and then all seven will be available. UMK is happening on February 25th. So you've got a lot of time to sit and marinate with those songs or put it off until after February 11th so that you have enough real estate for everything else that is going on. So <laughs> Denmark and Portugal are also dropping songs this week. Both of them will be dropping songs on Thursday. And I think the thing that I'm most excited about, uh, Lithuania's process is starting on Saturday. Yay! Pabandam is Naoyo is doing a slightly shorter format this year. It's only going to be two heats instead of three, and then it'll be two semifinals and a final. There are 30 songs competing. They've all been announced, uh, but the artists are free to release their songs whenever they want, unless it is before the qualification deadline, which uh, <laughs> one act did not read that part of the contract and has already been disqualified and replaced. You had one. One job. Uh, September 1st, no joke. Uh, songs have been trickling onto Spotify. I think there's only like five or six that are actually available at this moment, but I've been like sweeping every day to be like, okay, is, is, are, which ones are here? Which ones are here? And we, we don't know what the splits are for the heats yet or anything like that. This might be my favorite process. It's just because it has been so intimidating because in the past it has been so long as the marathon, as you've called it. I haven't really engaged with it much, mm -hmm. um, but I think this year I will do that, especially with that, that shorter format. Lithuania songs uh, are always a little bit wild and bizarre, and I love them for that. So I will look forward to actually engaging a little earlier this year so I can see more wild and crazy things. Looking at the contestant list, uh, I, I think we're going to we're going to eat. So... <laughs> Yes, we will. That is just the first week of Eurovision selection season. And yeah, it's just going to get crazier from here. Are you excited for selection season? <laughs> this is my favorite time of year. I love this. So let the games begin. Let the chaos come. Let all the disqualifications and the politics Come on. Absolutely. I love it. Excellent. Ryan, thank you so much for listening to me emptying my id for the last <laughs> hour or so. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, as always. That's going to do it for this episode of the Euro What. Thanks for listening. This episode of the Euro What podcast was hosted by Mike McComb, that's me, and Ryan Brazell. You can find our show notes, socials, and all the info you need about selection season for Eurovision 2023 on our website at eurowhat.com. If you want to help support the show and access a ton of bonus content, head over to patreon.com slash eurowhat. Next time on the Euro What, it's the return of Ben and Lithuania's Pabandam Ishnauyo. <laughs>